Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome in to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our Team Top 10 Prospects podcast series today with the Los Angeles Angels. We're going to talk about Logan O'Hoppy and what made him the number one prospect in the system, if Zach Neto was a steal at the middle of the first round, and who are some sleepers outside the top 10 in the system, which is progressively getting deeper. To do all that, I'm joined by Taylor Ward. Taylor took over the Angels chapter of the Prospect Handbook for us for the first time this year. Taylor, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you, Kyle. It was a, it was a real treat and, and it was really fun being able to do this. And I'm glad to be with you, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, those of you who are watching this podcast can see Taylor's bundled up and I'm in a hoodie <laughs> as well. It's uh, unseasonably cold and snowy here in Southern California. Taylor's located up at Lake Arrowhead. So uh, how many inches of snow have you guys had today? Uh, today, it's been a little bit quiet. We're supposed to hit blizzard, uh, blizzard-like blizzard conditions, emergency vehicle only on the road. Uh, I'd say we have about two feet of fresh snow right now, and uh, we're supposed to get another foot, foot and a half over the next 24 hours. So it's, uh, as as you can tell, I, I talked to Kyle before this. I said, I'll try and dress appropriate, but <laughs> this is about as appropriate as I can get. It's, it's pretty cold. It's <laughs> blizzard-like conditions in Southern California, a little interesting. Yeah, I'm down uh, along the foothills of the mountains here in Los Angeles. And uh, while there's no snow by my house, uh, some of the adjacent cities that are a little closer to uh, to the mountains and uh, a little higher elevation have gotten some snow. And I saw a picture actually in the New York Times, the city I'm in, someone built a snowman. I, I'm not getting any snow outside, but <laughs> it's definitely very cold, wet and rainy. So uh, the dogs are going a little stir crazy to say the least. But Taylor, moving back into the Angels, this is an organization and a team that Look, it's no secret. It's been a rough couple of years, uh, despite having Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, two generational talents. This is a team that has not had a winning season since 2015, Otani joining in 2018. He hasn't been there for all of it. But since the Angels have had these two in uniform together, it's been five straight losing seasons, uh, seven straight losing seasons overall. They have not made the playoffs since 2014. And this is the last year Shohei Otani is under contract. He has made no secret of his desire to play for a winning team. And the Angels just have not been one objectively since he's been a part of the organization. So there's a real sense that unless they turn things around this year, he's going to leave in free agency. When you look at this organization right now, again, they beefed up the big league roster, signing a stronger group of potential backups, Brandon Drury, Gio Rochelle, et cetera. 
Um, they bolstered the rotation a little bit more, signing Tyler Anderson. They, they've done some work in the bullpen, bringing Carlos Estevez and Matt Moore. So they've acquired some some solid depth guys, you know, middle tier players who will help the team sustain injuries better, hopefully. But this is still a team that went 73 and 89 last year. It's going to take a lot to add 15 wins to this ball club. When you look at the organization where they stand right now, what's in the majors, what's in the farm system, how do you assess it? I think on paper, and we say this every year going in, on paper, this team looks like a wild card team. And when you have two generational talents, you need to be more than a wild card team. You need to be a playoff team or, or a World Series contending team. And that's just not the case. I mean, you, you look at the Angels from 2010 onward, and you look at what they've been able to do with the farm system, with lack of what they've been able to do with the farm system. You know, there was a lot of years they didn't have first-round picks because of the Albert Pujols signing or, or Josh Hamilton or C.J. Wilson. And, and you look at, you know, the, the farm system, there hasn't been an impact player of sorts since, you know, the 2009 draft when they took Grichuk and Trout, among others. And you talk about, you know, C.J. Crone, maybe the best draft pick over the last 12 years. And not the knock in C.J. Crone, but they, you know, you're talking about Caleb Cowher, Cam Bedrosian. Sean Newcomb's traded. He's a reliever. Taylor Ward is starting to come into a little bit of his playing style, a little bit surprising more than anything. Matt Feist is kind of what he is. He's a bench piece. Joe Adele, you're hoping, can turn the corner, but he but he just hasn't been. Jordan Adams, there's still hope. Uh, Will Wilson was traded away. Reed Detmers starting to look more like it. I think the organization looks better uh, today than it has probably since 2015, I would say, uh, you know, kind of when Billy Epler took over and I love Billy, but, you know, during Billy's tenure, the, the organization kind of didn't do what it was supposed to do with all these big high uh, upside picks and high upside players and to not have any impact coming out of the draft. I mean, we talk about Griffin Canning maybe is the second best draft pick over the last 12 years. There's a lot of questions to be had when it comes to bringing in impact uh, talent from the amateur ranks, uh, even the international side. Jaime Berea is pro- uh, Jaime Berea and Jose Suarez, probably the two best international players of the last 15 years. And when you don't have uh, that constant flux of impact players coming through your organization, coming through your farm system, it leads you to where you are when you have to go out and get players uh, like Hunter Renfro, Gior Shella. Um, you know, I, I think a David Fletcher, a sixth round pick is, is maybe your best draft pick. Jared Walsh, a 39th round pick, maybe your best draft pick. Um, so did not have impact players coming through and, and to now see where the farm system is, it, it's better than it has been at least since the early 2010s. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it. it Brett Carey is a guy that, that came up in my mind constantly of a guy that would have been in the top 30 undeniably and now he's uh he didn't even get a write-up um so to see where the angels are now it's much better um on paper they do look interesting they have a fun offense they have a a young pitching staff that that you're hoping can replicate what they did last year uh be one of the lower era teams in the league and, and limit runs but a lot of things have to go right and we say it every year a lot of things have to go right for the angels to even make a playoff uh appearance yeah, and you make the point about the Angels pitching staff last year was actually one of the best in baseball from an ERA perspective, and it was really driven by the starting rotation. You have Otani, but I do think one encouraging thing is for the longest time, the Angels struggled to really have anything resembling uh, an effective starting rotation. Uh, there was a good five-year run there. It was 
ugly year after year after year, signing a lot of guys, you know, to one-year deals that did not work out. Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, Julio Tehran, et cetera. But we saw Reed Detmers come up and really, really take off after a demotion to the minors last season. Had a really strong finish to his rookie year and looks like he could be the Angels' best draft pick in almost a decade. Patrick Sandoval, who they acquired in a trade in A-ball, they've developed him very nicely. He's become a very good-looking young left-hander. And look, Jose Suarez and Jaime Bria have had some ups and downs, but they seem to have settled into their roles. Again, they were young guys and, and pitchers take a little bit longer. So at the very least, you are starting to see some positive player development outcomes in terms of starting pitching, which this organization just has not had. You know, the position player side, I will say, again, you look at Fletcher, you look at Walsh, you look at Ward. At the very least, these guys are everyday starters in the big leagues, which, again, there was a stretch the Angels weren't developing that. It's a lot of Chevy Clarks and Taylor Lindsays and, and just players who just weren't very good. So I, I will say there, there are some positive things happening in terms of the overall trend line. At the same time, though, you're right. You know, what's going to determine whether or not this team makes the postseason is going to be, does Mike Trout stay healthy for the whole season? Does Anthony Rendon stay healthy for a full season? You can throw Fletcher and Walsh in there too, by the way. Both of them have struggled with injuries. And of course, Otani, he stayed healthy the last two years, but obviously a lot of wear and tear. His previous injury history, there's always going to be concerns. It's really dependent on their guys staying healthy because you talk about how every year this is a team people say, oh, they made these additions, look like they could contend for a wild card spot. But inevitably what happens is a couple guys get hurt. And by the end of the year, they're running out four or five guys who really shouldn't be big leaguers every day in their lineup. You know, Some of the Angels lineups in August perennially are, are pretty sad. So I think it's going to come down to do these guys stay healthy. And again, signing Urshela, signing Drury. You know, that's going to help in terms of the overall depth. You bring in Hunter Renfro in a trade that pushes guys like Moniak and Adele to triple A where maybe, you know, they can work on some things and not be forced to the major. So the depth has gotten better at the same time. If Mike Trout misses 50 games again, if Anthony Brendon can't stay healthy or if Otani, another injury hits circa, you know, 2018, 2020, they're going to be in trouble. So I, I do think it really just comes down to, like you said, a lot of things have to go right, and, and the number one thing for them is health. If they don't have that, it's tough to see a road to the postseason. Absolutely, uh, and I think I think position player depth has improved. Something that the Angels were really focused on uh, last winter and this winter is improving that depth. And like you said, Joe Adele, Mickey Moniak, guys that could be everyday regulars or potentially more. Probably not at this point in their career, but potentially more could be in AAA. Um, I think the biggest issue is infield and they do not have a true shortstop. If David Fletcher is the shortstop, he's not a true shortstop. If Luis Renjifo is surprising, uh, surprising is a good way I would put him, but I don't know if he's an everyday shortstop, a, a true shortstop. So having that limited, you know, they're going to be able to hit Gio Urshela can hit Hunter Renfro is going to give you 20 plus home runs, maybe 30 plus home runs, but to, to not have that one position, a vital position, uh, really solidified. Maybe David Fletcher surprises us. Maybe he goes back to hitting near 300 and he's just, he plays solid defense. We don't know. Uh, he hasn't really been tested at shortstop, but that's going to be a tricky part. But yeah, health is a big deal. They don't have a secondary shortstop or a, a third shortstop in the depth charts. Um, pitching wise, you know, if Tyler Anderson is to go down or, or uh, if Jose Suarez, Reed Detmers, as you mentioned, it, it, a lot of homegrown players, surprisingly, Tyler Anderson's kind of the only guy that's not a homegrown player. Uh, do they have that depth, that starting pitcher uh, that can take over that spot? And, and we talk about Griffin Canning, uh, Chris Rodriguez, Chase Silseth. 
Um, personally, you know, the bullpen looks okay. I don't know if it looks good. Uh, it looks okay. And, and okay is not what you want for a playoff team. But I think if you, if you have that depth and you stay healthy in the rotation, having Griffin Canning as a setup man or a high leverage reliever or Chris Rodriguez as a high leverage reliever could really do big things for your bullpen. So for, I think the, the fact that you need your infield to be really healthy, Anthony Rendon, you can't lose him. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, you can't lose those guys. You cannot lose them to injuries, but you really can't lose your middle infield guys, and you can't really lose a starting pitcher, which we know very well that every team eventually is going to lose one of those starting pitchers over the year. Yeah, it's a tightrope to walk, and, and I do want to talk to you a little about the pitching depth. There was a pretty good group of arms who got to double-A last year that theoretically could be in position to come up and help this year. Um, but Taylor, I want to start with the top of this farm system. And the Angels acquired two players last year who were not in the system to start the year. Logan Ohoppy, they acquired from the Phillies uh, at the deadline, a trade for Brandon Marsh, one of the best catching prospects in baseball. And the Angels have not had a long-term solution at catcher for a very, very, very long time. It's been a lot of band-aids for years and years and years and years. So adding him really fills a, a big hole potentially. And also Zach Neto, their first rounder out of Campbell, who flew up to double A uh, right out of the draft. And held his own, performed pretty well. Take us through the process of ranking these guys. How close was it for them to be number one? Because these are pretty clearly the top two prospects in the organization. They're the only two Angels prospects in our top 100. How close was it? And ultimately, what gave Ohapi the edge? I think it was closer than most people would think. Um, Ohapi had to cut, you know, external uh, acquisition, right? Uh, so Logan Ohapi, when it comes to covering the Angels, you only see him for a few months. But what he was able to do over those few months in Double A was very impressive with the bat. Um, you know, there were some uh, uh, unconfirmed one seven pop times, which I'm not really uh, going to confirm because I don't think they were real. <laughs> but you know, a guy that has a really strong arm behind the plate, you really trust that you're going to have an everyday catcher behind the plate. And, and there's not a lot of everyday catchers in the major leagues. It's kind of like shortstop. There's not a lot of everyday true guys that you can rely on. And this is a guy you can rely on every day behind the plate. Um, and the offense is there. You know, he might be an average hitter with average power. He might even be uh, – he might even have better than average power. Uh, to a degree. So this is a guy that has all the tools across the board, uh, could be a very good hitter with power, uh, could be a very good defensive backstop and an everyday catcher. Zach Neto, um, very fresh to the organization, came out of the draft, obviously, the uh, 12th, 13th pick, 13th pick, I want to say, 13th pick out of Campbell. A um, lot of questions about him that he answered really quick. You know, would that leg kick be too much? He has an extreme leg kick, but would it be too much? And he's shown that he has the ability to uh, barrel the ball with ease, make a lot of contact. Um, the one thing I think the big separator for me was Zach Nato's exit velocities from college ball to pro ball. Um, he did not have a high uh, max or average exit velocity when it came to being in pro ball. Now, that doesn't mean that he won't grow into that or anything. But I think for the current state of things, Logan Ohapi gets the edge because of the pro nature of the game. Also, Zach Neto, you, you want to believe he's a shortstop. He's got plenty of arm. He's, you know, he had time his pitching. Um, it's just making the, the proper throwing decisions. The footwork's fine. So you believe he can stick at shortstop. But when the question does come up defensively, if he's going to move to third or second, that's a little, you know, you're looking for the smallest knock, right? And that is one of the smaller knocks of is he really going to be an everyday shortstop 
Um, and you, you believe he can be, but that slight little uh, nudge that puts me saying you have an everyday catcher that you're guaranteed is going to be a catcher compared to a guy that is going to be a very good offensive player who's very excitable, but is he going to be third base, second base, or is he going to be at a premium position like shortstop? And that was where the edge really came in for me. But it was uh, it was closer than I think some expected. We, I believe we both gave we gave them uh, some high grades that, that would indicate that. Yeah, they have the exact same grade on them in terms of the number if you go and purchase your Baseball America Prospect handbooks. But the risk is a little lower for Ohapi because, again, he's gotten higher levels. He's reached the majors last year. Again, a little more certainty defensively. And, and I think that's what's so impressive about him is – a lot of guys in the minors who are catchers, but you're not sure if they can stick back there, just whether it's the physical demands of the position, whether it's the mental makeup side of things. Ohapi, there's no question. His ability is exceptional. He's got the makeup for it. You talk to him. He's really, really, really good. Game calling, communicating, working with pitchers, you know, overcoming language barriers. I remember watching it in the fall league. Him and Rancy Contreras were on the exact same page, even though Ohapi didn't speak Spanish. Contreras' English was pretty rudimentary at the time. So just really, really impressive. The leadership attributes are there. And on top of all that, he hits. And that was the question was, okay, how's he going to hit? He's made improvements. He's constantly gotten better. Last year at AA across Reading and Rocket City, now given two hitter-friendly environments, but still 283, 416, 544, 26 homers, 78 RBIs. I mean, he's hitting for average. He's hitting for power at 70 walks to 74 strikeouts. I mean, facing upper-level pitching, he more than held his own while playing a really, really, really good uh, defensive catcher behind the plate. Yeah, and it's just, uh, you know, this is one of the top uh, catching prospects in the game. Um, and, and he doesn't have the questions that a lot of these guys may have. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about Edgar Carroll in a little bit, who did not make the top 100. And there's reasons for it. And we'll talk about that as we kind of go through. But when you have a guy, he's not going to be JT Real Muto. You don't expect him to be. He's not going to be Salvador uh, Perez. He's not going to be Yadier Molina. But he is going to be a two-win catcher for you. Maybe even, you know, you can assume safely that he is going to be a two-war catcher for you, which is a very promising thing to have for the next six years, uh, six or seven years when it comes to the Angels. So, yeah, Logan O'Hoppy, very exciting. Came to uh, Rocket City AA for the Angels. Went off on a a tear when it came to showing the power. Uh, he was hitting a home run every other night or, or every night for a while there. Um, really impressive bat. Um, and, and the swing decisions. I think that's the biggest thing is the swing decisions improved from uh, early in his time with Philadelphia to uh, when he was traded. I think he made those decisions while he was with Philadelphia. I think the Phillies did a great job of developing him. Um, you know, even though he's a high schooler, a 20-something round pick or a teen or 20-something round pick at a high school in Long Island. Um, but a really, uh, really well done developmental wise uh, to get to the the peak talent of Logan O'Hoppy, both by the Phillies and now the Angels. Uh, they have their hands full with a guy that could be their catcher for the next uh, half decade. Yeah, 23rd round pick out of a Long Island high school. That was a great scouting job, a really good development job by the Phillies. And look, they needed a center fielder and they got one in Brandon Marsh and he helped stabilize that position and, and help them reach the World Series. So they're happy with the outcome, and, and Logan O'Hoppy, if he can be the catcher the Angels have been missing, really since they traded Mike Napoli, they, they haven't had a guy you feel great throwing out there every day. And yes, I'm including Jeff Mathis in that. That's pretty promising. They just haven't had any stability there. So 
yeah, it's, it's something the Angels certainly needed. He's a very, very promising prospect. And as you mentioned, the number one prospect in the system. Taylor, there's a lot more guys in the system who are interesting, as we've talked about. Again, for the first time in a while, the Angels have some depth. They have a top 10 that you don't run out of guys at two or three where you're like, man, after this, it's pretty light. So um, there's some other interesting guys in the system. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about them and uh, see what their potential is for the Angels. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back. Welcome back to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer here with Taylor Ward, breaking down the Angel system. All right, Taylor, so we talked about this organization, where they are, and the top of this farm system. Logan Ohapi and Zach Neto, two really, really talented players, both of whom are in our top 100. But it's not just those two guys and then not a whole lot behind them, as we've seen be the case with some Angel systems in years past. Chase Silseth, who was an 11th round pick and overslot signee, did not have a good year at the University of Arizona, had a five and a half ERA, got shelled by some some teams that were not very good, became the first player from the 2021 draft to get to the majors last year. It was a meteoric rise. You have Edgar Caro, who had a really, really, really strong year down in low A in the Empire, uh, one of the best years statistically of any catcher in the minor leagues. And you have Kai Bush, who very, very quietly had a really good year in double A in his first full season, representing the Angels in the Futures game. I do feel like there's a clear tier here, three to five. Take us through how you stacked them up, particularly the Silseth versus Caro discussion. Because again, guys on polar opposite end of the spectrum, Silseth got to the majors, Caro's still in low A. Take us through this this group, this three to five group, Silseth, Caro, Bush, and how uh, how you ultimately ended up stacking them up based on your discussions with evaluators, both inside and outside the organization. Yeah, I think Chase Silseth was the biggest surprise. Obviously, the first guy of the majors from that draft, uh, from uh, the 21 uh, draft, 21 draft, <laughs> and, uh, you know, late round or team pick, um, but signed uh, heavily. And a guy that had interest in the scouting world um, based on his stuff, you know, no one denied the stuff was good. It's just he just couldn't find the markers on performance. And uh, he hit double A and was remarkable. Uh, I think on the season he had a two two eight ERA. 
Um, really good over the year. Obviously got time in the majors. Uh, Going to be a graduate sometime over the 20, 2023 season when it comes to prospect status. But uh, they reshaped his fastball. His fastball was the biggest question. It was flat. Uh, it wasn't great. They reshaped it, uh, got him comfortable with a grip. And he really turned a corner, and they believe uh, the Angels believe strongly that he is a top 100 prospect. I know that Baseball America doesn't have him there. I know he was right on the edge. I know you guys put him very he close. Far, he wasn't too a, terribly far off. Yeah, you guys weren't really far, but um, a guy the Angels really, really like as a mid rotation starter in the future. Uh, they believe he's a true 50 55. They were going to throw a 55 grade on him. Um, talking externally, um, a lot of people believe he was uh, possibly a 50 based on kind of his pro for performance. Um, you know, two, three true breaking balls that, that uh, break away from each other. The fastball has improved. The command has improved. He's throwing strikes. He's confident in his stuff. So this is a guy that the Angels really do believe in. Um, and that's why we put him at number three uh, over Edgar Caro. There's a big debate on that because Edgar Caro obviously um, – had a massive year as a catcher, you know, hit, hitting over 300, a 435 on base percentage, uh, 17 home runs, something like almost 50 extra base hits. He had a 530 slugging. Um, Edgar Caro, the thing with Edgar, he's going to be able to catch, but it's very evident how young he is behind the plate. He's got a fine arm. It's, it's an average arm. You know, you're looking at a two sub two pop time. Um, he's going to be fine when it comes to the arm. When we go to automated balls and strikes, he might turn into uh, maybe the best catcher in baseball if he hits the way he does. You know, <laughs> you never know. But his receiving skills, his blocking skills, he's just very young. Simple as that, very young. Um, has a lot of time and development remaining. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see what happens when he goes to Tri-City, a, a park where uh, no one can hit. Absolutely no one can hit in Tri-City. So his numbers are going to take a hit next year uh, unless the Angels really are aggressive or uh, really conservative with him, keeping him in low A or moving him to double A. I, I, I don't see that being the the plan, but a, a guy that hits from both sides of the plate, a little more power from the left side, a little more contact from the right side, um, really smart decisions when it comes to balls and strikes. Uh, he has a great eye at the plate. Um, there is power there. Uh, he's not the biggest guy in the world. I think he's maybe a little sub six foot, um, but a guy that you, you mentioned communication skills with Logan O'Hoppy. Um Edgar Carroll, his English is pretty good. Um, you know, I wouldn't say he's fluent, but very uh, decent uh, English. And so he's able to communicate with these guys pretty well. Um, and, and guys trust him. I think that's the biggest thing is if a pitcher does trust you or doesn't trust you, um, that's going to be one of the bigger impacts. So the fact that he is a trusted catcher behind the plate, he hits from both sides of the plate, um, just with a little bit more aging, a little bit more development, then we start getting in the conversation more of is this guy uh, a 50 or 55 grade, a true 50, you know, he's a high risk 50 at the moment. Um, but is he a true 55, things like that. Um, and then he, I think we mentioned Kai Bush. Um, oh, just, just, just to clarify, when we're talking 50, 55 for listeners there, a 50 is an average big leaguer, a 55 and above average. So it's kind of that concept of, again, it's, we both, each of us saw a lot of him at Inland Empire, um, talked to a lot of buyers about him and, and he's a very good player. I think, again, how the defense progresses and also how he's able to continue to perform offensively outside of the hitter-friendly Cal League. And again, pitching in, in the Cal League in particular was horrendous last year. There's just a, there's just enough hesitation where right now people are holding back on putting the 55 on him just because of those questions. He's saying, yes, this will be an above-average everyday catcher as opposed to maybe he might be more 
average-ish. Um, but if he answers those questions next year at Tri-City, you know, he's a guy who could get onto the top 100 pretty quickly. There's certain guys in our process as we went through this and talked as a staff and, and spoke to evaluators around the game where it's like, don't jump Edgar Carroll on there right quite yet. But if he answers the questions we have within, you know, the first couple of months at Tri-City, go ahead and jump him on there. So it's it's a very, very thin margin. It's just a few questions about the defense, a few questions about how much the offensive production was a function of playing in the Cal League against horrendous pitching. But if he goes out to Tri-Cities and, and answer those, those questions with positive performance, you'll see him on the top 100 very, very quickly because there'll be more confidence that he is that above average potential player as opposed to the guy that there's just a little hesitation pulling that trigger right now. Absolutely. And you mentioned the competition in the Cal League was not great. And that's a problem with low A players, uh, assessing guys that are in the lower levels, rookie ball, uh, Arizona, Florida, Dominican, um, and it includes low A. So so being able to to make that push saying that Chase Silseth, uh, I'm going to throw his major league numbers out, but he was a major leaguer last year. He is a major leaguer at this point. And what he was doing at double A, uh, not only performance wise, but scouting wise as well. We look at the plan. We're much more confident, or I was much more confident in Chase Silseth than I was Edgar Carroll. And I absolutely, uh, it, if you ask a lot of people, uh, when Edgar Carroll was in Arizona, I was obsessive to a point. I think that was the, the word that someone used is you're obsessed with this kid. And I said, yes, I am. I love this kid. But uh, even showing that, you know, a, a guy that absolutely adores this kid as a baseball player and as a person, um, I still made the marker that I believe Chase Silseth is going to have a better 10-year run than Edgar Caro does. And that's just the confidence that double a, the difference between double A and low A. Um, another guy that uh, did decent in double uh, in A was Kai Bush, the guy that we put at number five. Um, has the looks of a workhorse Potentially a mid-rotation arm, but I think we're looking at a number four starter in, in the likes here. Um, you know, he has a, a really good breaking ball, a really good slider. He's able to use his changeup uh, very well in smart uh, smart counts, good counts. Um, his fastball has liveliness. It does get hit a little bit more than you'd like to see, but it does have liveliness. Um, more than anything, it's just can Kai Bush miss more bats? Uh, he doesn't need to. He gets the outs, and that's what really matters when it comes to professional baseball is getting the outs and limiting runs, which he's been able to do. But he's going to be hit for right now, and that's kind of why we we put him a little bit lower. But a very exciting guy uh, was able to pitch in the, the Futures game. Um, and I think more than anything, it's, it's a guy that you are confident is going to be able to stick in your rotation near the back end. The, the, there's uh, a lot of innings that he's going to be able to eat. And worst case scenario, he has uh, high leverage reliever stuff. So you can be pretty excited about Kai Bush as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and we talk about the Angels player development trends, there was a decent stretch there where a lot of Angels prospects either A, just weren't very good, or if they showed you something, they they stalled out. There's a lot of stagnation in the system. They'd reach a certain level and they just did not develop any further. And some of that was... The, the poor player development apparatus that was in place, the underfunded player development apparatus that was in place. I do think it's encouraging. You see Silseth, you see Kara, you see Bush, all guys making the jumps their first full professional seasons and taking steps forward and getting better. You talked about Silseth, his improvements, Carol, the type of year he had, 
Bush, again, was a guy, big riser in the draft in 2021 out of St. Mary's, went straight to double-A for his first full season, more than held his own there, showed real stuff, the performance was good. So at the very least, things seem to be moving in the right direction in terms of Angels prospects. Taylor, this was, again, kind of the clear-cut top five. You have numbers one and two, they're in their own tier, they're the top 100 prospects. You have three through five. Again, guys who are kind of in top 100 considerations. Still less than Carroll more than Bush, but nonetheless, guys who, you know, if you see them on the 101 to 150 list, it, it doesn't look out of place. After that, things get a little less clear. And again, there, there's good players here, guys who have shown good things. You know, Werner Blakely, Denzer Guzman, guys who got good reviews last year. Ben Joyce uh, was very, very impressive in relief, his debut in double A. Take us through this next group. How many guys would you say were kind of in the mix here from, from six to 10? How many you know guys were there for these final five spots? Uh, number six, Denzer Guzman. Absolutely a guy the Angels adore. Um, the scouting world likes him. I wouldn't say the way that the Angels like him. Um, Angels really believe that he can be their, their next superstar. Um, they really do like him, but there's so much risk with a guy that's just fresh out of the Dominican and, and is at the complex uh, – level and didn't perform i mean he performed okay um just not greatly but as a 17 year old uh, gonna see low a next year as an 18 year old he did get uh, i think a week with inland empire something close to that um they really like the bat they think there's a lot more power that's coming into that bat where he could be an average hit average power um above average defender which i think was the biggest question because he's not uh he's not the quickest guy by any means But he had a very impressive uh, instructional league. Uh, The Angels really liked what he was able to do in the complex uh, league and and down uh, extended spring at the complex. Um, So a guy that I think we're watching heavily this year as a guy that that could be that guy that makes that big jump. Um, Loe is going to be an interesting task for him as an 18-year-old, but a very exciting prospect nonetheless. Um, You mentioned Ben Joyce. Uh, How can you not? The guy hit a 105-plus in college last year. No one's doing that. No one does what he does, except for Raldis Chapman in the past and maybe Jordan Hicks. Um, it, it's it's unicorn velocity. It, it's Lollapalooza. It's amazing. It, it's uh, You always want to see it. But at the same time, there is a development standard to having a guy like this. You do have to develop him. And his slider has taken huge steps forward. Another guy that they changed the grip uh when it came to his breaking ball and his slider, he found comfortability and was able to start throwing it with more velocity. He's actually upper 80s, low 90s with his slider, which uh, most people would love to have that. But the fact that he throws 100 plus uh, is impressive. And, and, and I think one of the more impressive things for me when it came to Ben Joyce is uh, he went 55 days between his last college outing to his pro debut. And he was still 98 to 102 in professional baseball. Um performed well I, I think it's just really impressive the arm strength the arm speed uh what he's able to do with a fastball is, is just remarkable but if you can continue developing that slider you may have a guy it, I think the interesting thing is he was not a, a high leverage reliever for Tennessee he was not a closer he was not a setup man he was he was actually a middle relief arm for Tennessee um they, so they didn't really trust him. him in high leverage situations. It was interesting. Obviously, you know, the pitching ninja gifts, the velocity was incredible, but there were control issues. There were breaking ball issues. So it was kind of, again, you have to separate out what you're seeing on Twitter with the context of reality. And that was the concern with, yes, you know, he's doing these incredible things that make for great gifts, but Tennessee very clearly did not trust him in high leverage relief. And 
I think that was what was sort of interesting about his debut going up to double A was you mentioned the slayer took a jump forward, small sample, only 13 innings, but he didn't walk that many guys. The control was better. The stuff was still there. It seemed like, again, just th things were already getting better, which again, goes back to the scene where we're seeing angels pitching development. Finally, after years and years and years and years of being just frankly, the worst in professional baseball, we're starting to see positive trend lines and, and, again Joyce almost right away came out and, and looked better at double a than he did in college yeah and I think a big thing the angels really believe in throwing strikes that's what, one of their biggest things that they preach well, yeah, when it comes to <laughs> but I mean when it comes to development it's you can throw your fastball down the middle it's eventually going to break and, and I feel like a lot of people talk about the corners they talk about elevating they talk about it simply for the angels to just to start development is hey throw your pitch down the middle throw strikes make it be a strike and I think that's been huge for a lot of these pitching prospects is just the fact that they can trust their stuff. And, and you look at um, you, you look at Perry Manassi, and he's never come out and said it, obviously. But you look at internal stuff plus, you look at external stuff plus as a, as a regular stat, Angels are on board. Angels love stuff plus. They love it. When it comes to bringing in amateurs, that's their biggest thing. And I don't know if we're going to talk about Victor Medeiros, but guys that have struggled, Chase Silseth, we've talked about guys that have struggled in college that find the success in pro ball. And it's the fact that, Hey, you have some of the best stuff in pro baseball, throw it down the middle, test these guys, challenge these guys. And it's been huge when it comes to development for these pitchers. So uh, angels pitching it's the best it's been since the Der Jerry DePoto era, when it comes to the farm system, absolutely. It's been the best since uh, Jerry DePoto was around and um, arguably it could be better. I would, I would say be be further back than that, you have to go back to, you know, Jared Weaver, Joe Saunders, Urban Santana, yeah. you know, though, I mean, Garrett Richards a little bit later. Yeah, no, it's, again, it's a raised philosophy. Hey, just put over the plate, trust your stuff, you know, make the strikes as big as possible. And there's certainly a lot of value to that. Taylor, I, I do want to ask about, again, we've talked about all these guys who are taking steps forward. Sam Bachman, the Angels' first round pick in 2021, had a, just frankly, a very poor season. There were a lot of concerns coming out of the draft when we looked at it. He averaged less than five innings per start in college. He missed time with injuries. He was largely a two-pitch pitcher. The Angels were insistent he's a starter. Everything pointed to him being a reliever out of the draft. And his first full professional season was, was rough. There's no way around it. Did not miss many bats at all. Struggled with walks. Did not show any semblance of durability. Got hurt when he was on the mound. Made 12 starts, but only threw 43 and two-thirds innings. I mean, averaged less than four innings a start. What was behind Bachman's struggles last year? How much of it did the Angels think is fixable? And, and realistically, what is his outlook moving forward? I think they think it's fixable. He had a, he had back spasms. And when it comes to Angels pitching injuries, um, you're going to constantly hear the word oblique. Um, that is just a generalization from the Angels when it comes to injuries. Uh, but he had, Everyone he had back has an issues. oblique injury, pretty much. Everyone has an oblique. Pitcher. Every pitcher that's injured in the Angels farm system has an oblique injury. But um, – he had a back injury and he couldn't finish his pitches. You know, a bad back, you can't finish. As simple as that. So he wasn't able to finish his pitches. And I think, I think a thing for Sam that some people and I were talking about, some external scouts and I were talking about, is the fact that he could pitch. Um, he had a sub two five ERA up until his last month or something. It ended up being like a three five ERA, something along those lines. Three, but the nine, fact five, that he was three nine two at the end. The fact that he was able to pitch competitively without his best stuff may have been a, a nice development marker for him that you can work 
without your best stuff and make it, you know, record outs, make it work, not miss bats and make it work, which, you know, it, it could be nothing. It could be something, but um, you know, not being able to finish his pitches, he, his velocity took a huge dive. You know, we were talking about him as a 97, 98 up to one one as a, in college, he was like 88 to 95 any given time. Um, so very tricky to him. Um, the slider wasn't snapping as much. Kind of, he got that cutterish look to his slider at times. Um, so more than anything, it's just he's back this year. Uh, he's back with spring. He's healthy. He's throwing uh, mid nineties, uh, more than ninety five or ninety four, ninety six, um, which is it's good. It's fine. Um, it's just can he keep that inverted arm action uh, to throw five plus innings, six plus innings, however many plus innings per outing? Um, he still has reliever. Plenty of reliever risk. Uh, I think he has reliever upside, honestly, uh, if he does get his velocity back because that that slider is still a a real weapon. But the fact that he's able to finish his pitches now is going to make him improve. Now, are we uh, confident that he's going to be a a frontline starter like the Angels believed he was when they took him? I don't think so. Uh, I really don't think so. But at the same time, um, this guy does have plenty of upside. He's one of the bigger upside arms. That's why uh, I ranked him in the top 10, put him where I did, as opposed to putting the guy that's throwing 88 to 95 in the teens, which, you know, or, or outside the 30, however it goes. But this is a guy that it, it made sense that he was a first round pick on talent. Obviously, he's got the two pitches that are great. He's able to throw strikes. Uh, now that he's healthy, it's time to prove it. So he has to go out and prove it this year, whether it's in double A or, or triple A, or if the Angels believe he can be a major leaguer like they believed he might have been last year without the health issues. I don't I don't see that happening, but would it be the biggest surprise if Sam Bachman came up in September? Probably not. Yeah, again, going to come down to health with him, which, which again, was a question in college a little bit too, and, and seeing how durable he really is. Taylor, there are some – Names in here who have been around the system for a while, Jeremiah Jackson, Jordan Adams, um, really good athletes, but who have just struggled to hit. One guy that coming out of last year looked like a, a fringe top 100 caliber player was Kyron Paris, had a really, really good year at Inland Empire, looked like, frankly, the best of that young athlete group that they had. And he had a really, really, really difficult year. You mentioned making the jump going from Inland Empire to Tri-Cities, a really, really hitter-friendly environment to a really, really pitcher-friendly environment. His swing got long, um, started chasing power, got away from who he was, but he was only 20 years old. What is the outlook for him now, and and how do the Angels kind of see his future moving forward? Well, I think a biggest thing with Kyron was uh, getting out of Tri-City. It was huge. Um, you, you can't hit there, and I think when you are young and you're uh, an analytical or performance kind of uh, focused player, which I, Kyron is a fantastic young man, absolutely great family, everything in the works when it comes to Kyron and his family. But sometimes when you look and you're batting under 200, you don't realize that you've actually may be doing something right. Uh, you just, you're at a, a really crappy park <laughs> and that, you know, the people up in Tri-City are great, but, but the park's awful. Uh, you, you cannot hit there. And um, one thing I will say about Kyron is when you look at his season as a in bulk when it comes to Tri City, he had he was a positive weighted runs created uh, plus player. He, he hit 109 uh, weighted runs created plus when it came when it came to the full season. Um, he did turn a corner um, from July to August. He was uh, 156 weighted runs created plus. Uh, he started hitting for power again. He started getting more comfortable. 
Uh, so he did turn a corner, and when he went to Double A, I think he—I I don't know what his Double A numbers were off the top of my head—but uh, I think he performed sparringly. It's there I mean, was it was, a lot. It was, it was, four, it was fourteen games. He, he did hit yeah, well there. Not, yeah. Fourteen games, it's, but it, it was yes, it was positive. You see, you saw three homers in fourteen games. You know, hit for average, got on base, stole bases. He looked like he was getting back to the player he was at Low A. There's no question it was better. Taylor, who were some guys? outside this top 10 that you think have a chance to really pop and could be big risers in 2023? Uh, I mentioned Victor Medeiros. The Angels really like what they've done with him. He's able to throw strikes. He's confident in his stuff. It's another guy that they're trying to reshape some of his pitching, um, and and it's worked. He was really impressive at Instructs, a guy that they may believe may even have like a Chase Silseth kind of rise to some degree. Um, Dario Laverde, really interesting guy. He's a catcher that was in the Dominican last year, and we're talking super sleeper when it comes to this, but uh, left-handed bat, some power there, surefire catcher. Um, could be the, the Edgar Carroll kind of rise to some degree. Really an exciting guy. Uh, the Angels like Ryan Costu a lot. Um, I think one guy that fell off heavily that, that I think is going to have a huge uh, improvement is Errol Vera. Um, guy that really struggled offensively the last year it really struggled and more so he gained a lot of weight the year before lost a lot of that weight so he lost a lot of strength he just wasn't physically uh, adapting to uh low a he, he really hadn't physically adapted so i think as he physically adapts to uh probably repeating low a um guy that i really liked at shortstop think he thinks uh he made really good decisions when it came to throwing decisions and his feet work there um, I think he's a guy switch hitter who uh, sees pitches pretty well. I, I don't think he really was a problem. You can see the the potential impact in him, but the performance was so bad. I think he's going to have the performance that comes back, and he's going to be back in the conversation of being a top ten prospect next year. Yeah, no, that's a good call. He had a really really bad year last year. There's no way around it, but. It was funny. You went out and watched him, and watched him play. You watched him play defense. You watched the quality of the bats he took. And you looked up. It was it was surprising how bad the performance was because you could see there's talent there. That there was you know real ability there, good player with instincts, but like you said, just was not strong enough. And um, you know if he makes those strength gains, I, I agree. I think there's a real chance he comes out next year and we see a lot more success. Cause again, there's some guys you go out there and you see, and, and there's bad numbers. And it's very clear why that they just don't have the talent. And that wasn't the case with Vera. You watch him, you, you see the talent, you see the ability, you see the instincts. He just wasn't physically ready for the level. Taylor, big, long podcast, talking angels. Any final thoughts here as we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, just uh, the, the organization is, is exciting. Um, we've talked for a long time that, that a lot of these younger kids are, are exciting, but they do end up plateauing, uh, you know, the double a tri or high a, wherever it is. And now we're seeing guys that, uh, we're seeing a mix, very young, exciting guys in the low minors, uh, very well established professional players in the mid to upper minors. And I think the angels can be excited about the starting point of where they are now. I think there's a lot of room to grow. There's a lot more to have in the system uh, to really be above a, a bottom third of the or- bottom third of baseball kind of organization when it comes to farm talent, but they have a very good starting point. And I think that they have a lot of guys that are going to be able to steadily become impact players for them as uh, the years go on. And, uh, you know, as a major league product, you need that every year, you need some kind of impact coming through. And I think they're going to start having that progressively. Um, it just, 
it's it's a more exciting system right now than it has been in a very long time. Yeah, we'll see if they're able to translate that into wins in the major leagues. Uh, again, this is an organization that it's been a while. They are the team right now that has the longest stretch of consecutive losing seasons of any team in Major League Baseball, which is remarkable given Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are on the team. But it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot, a lot of things going right. But like you said, they've built up the Major League team a little bit more this year in terms of depth. And there are real players in this farm system beyond just two or three exciting guys and the rest you don't know what you really have. So they're on the right track, it appears. And uh, we'll see uh, how quickly that's able to translate into wins. Taylor, thank you so much for joining me. We appreciate your time and insight. Absolutely. Thank you, Kyle. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.